All right, are you ready to record over there? <laughs> yeah, it looks good over here. I brought myself a couple of things. I have a new bag. I should have pre-cut it. But what I have here in my hands is a new package of suspenders. I'm uh, This is now my second pair of suspenders. I'm upgrading. I'm trying to go with maybe some style and some fashion. I see a design there. I'm excited to find out what it is. Yeah, yeah. It's got a, like a checkers design on it. I don't know if I can actually get it open. I don't know if I have any instruments of which I can avail myself to get this open. I don't think I do. I don't know if I do. But Oh, I can just rip it open with my intense man strength. Never mind. Oh, jeez. So yeah, there are. It's a it's a uh, dark blue pattern on there, and uh, kind of a checkered. But it, they're really nice. I think they're going to look really nice with some of the stuff I have. And then the buckles are fancy leather kind of. Wow. Fancy buckles. These are like high end. Yeah, man. So I'm I'm excited about it. I've been enjoying the uh, suspender lifestyle. It's given me a new confidence. I'm walking around and my pants fit all of a sudden. And you know, as a guy who's like waist size is always in fluctuation, the suspenders are nice because. I was always having to uh, adjust my belts all the time and switch belts. And sometimes I would just not have the right belt. And I don't have that problem with the suspenders. I see suspenders swag in our future. Oh, I'm all about it. But mm-hmm. well, man, Chris, don't you feel like 10 years older wearing these suspenders? Impossible. At your age, no one wears them. Oh, I wear them. I feel like it is, it is an older man thing. And I am kind of embracing the look, I suppose. You know, I'm just kind of like, I'm just getting old enough where I'm like, I don't think I care. I think I just want to be comfortable or whatever. But I don't want to wear sweats we are, or things that, you know, all the clothing that has elastic bands, because that's my other way. to That's the other route I could go is just go the elastic banding. But I got to say, the dude in sweats look, while it works for some people, does not work for me, man. It is. <laughs> it looks like I have given up on life. That's how I feel about most people that wear sweats, especially in the airport. Like, oof. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen it. I know. I know. I have. I don't know what the suspenders deal, what that, how that's going to work in the airport. I don't know if the metal's a problem. You just show them your suspenders and they're like, oh, yeah, you're fine. Just keep going. You're not a threat at all. Yeah. It's going to be the gun in the holster that, no, I'm kidding. What? I would have a holster, but it'd be a phone. Could see that being really useful while you're traveling. My, my other thing is like Alex's. There's just a very slight, the slightest little, see, and the chair just. You're drifting away from the microphone. You're, you're drifting backwards. It's, it's a thing that maybe he and I can fix. All right, are you ready to start? Should we record this thing? Yeah, I feel warmed up. Oh, I'll tell you, though, I've been looking forward to this show all week. Something about it being new and my new, you know, I told you about my tab thing I'm doing where every device I carry, I'm just keeping the dock in a tab. Yeah, that's a great idea. And you combine that with the boosts coming in. Those are fun. And getting some of those coming in about the show, so that's nice to see. I, I I think it's kind of fascinating that even now, you know, we've been doing this for a while, and we tend to work on tech stuff all the time. Still discovering better ways to work. Yeah. What do you mean, like using this tool we're using right now to talk, or what do you mean? Sure. Well, sure. Oh yeah. Just keeping some tabs on your different devices, like that's a, such a small thing, and yet is a boost of efficiency, right? The workflow tweaks. Yeah. Like, why didn't I think of that before? Is what I my thought is. Like, you idiot. Well, there are better ways, but that's a it's a it's a it's a fine method. It's like a compromise method. Like I you you know what it is? It's me just kind of realizing the best way for me to capture these ideas is to have a tab in my web browser. Even though I've tried all these different apps, you know, I've tried all these different methods of capturing ideas and syncing it and different open source things and different services. 
And then at the end of the day, it's like, we'll just keep, keep our doc. Cause it's a, you know, it's H docs, it's hedge docs. So it's a web app. Just keep that in a tab and just go in there and drop an idea in there. And you have to kind of go in there about once a day or else it logs you out. That's my least favorite part about that, but it's a, a great collaborative tool for sure. Yeah, I agree. So that's been nice. I just kind of been throwing stuff in there. We've created a chat room to kind of collaborate on the show. So that's been nice. All right. Are you ready to record over there? I wonder if somebody, I wonder if anybody in our audience is crafty enough. Imagine for a second, dude. Just imagine for a second. In a world. Your suspenders with holsters for the Zoom and the MD46. <laughs> right? Like, we could walk around with with holsters for our recording gear strapped. We should look into bag. You know, there's probably stuff we could already use out there. Would you want a bag or like a clippy thing? Because I'm, I'm thinking. I mean, no, I mean, like, not. I just mean, like, vests with, like, bags or pockets or, like. But you want them a little lower so you could be, like. You know, maybe. Right? I don't know. I kind of like the idea of like the microphone is just right here and I just whip it out like almost like you would like a gun, but I'm whipping out a microphone. To... You need also cable routing, like cable management. Yeah. Little straps on the. The other thing, too, is I think there's various remote controls for the Zoom. Now that I think about it, imagine having the record button clipped right here to your collar. So you, you pull the microphone out and you just click your collar and you're recording. You click your collar again and you're done. We could be up in our maybe maybe as events come back, it's time for us to think about this. Because we're sticking to it. You know, I was complaining about the Zoom record button. It's awful. And so a remote would be pretty sweet. I know, man. All right, you ready? Yeah. Okay, Brentley. All right, three, two, one. It's office hours with me, Chris. Hello, everyone. Welcome in to the office. The office hours are officially open. Come on in. Let's chat about... Whatever you feel like talking about, I'm here every other Tuesday. It's a standing offer. My office door is open to you, and Brent's here with me. We're hanging out on the live stream. Hello, Brentley. Well, hello, Chris. Pleasure to be back. I am uh, enjoying the video feed that you and I are sharing this week because I get to see the drum kit that you've been learning on behind you. It's looking really awesome. <laughs> Thank you. I think it looks better with me at it, though. Alex just has the best setup. I know. And, you know, I, one thing I got to say about Alex is he's great at displaying the things he loves that's something i can learn from him yeah you're right he is he's good and he does this thing where things are in spots where you can see them so you don't lose them necessarily i mean he has some stuff in drawers we all do but i like that too like 3d printing rules reels i know they're right there yeah easy to find. <laughs> yeah we're also joined by the mumble room today we got a small mumble crew hey everyone in the virtual log hello time appropriate greetings hello chris hello, hello. hi guys hello thanks for joining us this is the first office hours we're doing with a mumble room and this is one of the things we want to do in, along with our Matrix General Chat Room. It, they're just platforms for you guys to join us and uh, get your questions in and your comments and stuff like that. And we'll be watching that as we go along. I thought I'd be rushing out after the show today. This is why I just spent the extra time today, because I thought it'd be a rush. But I have been trying to get my Lady Jupes RV in for some repair work to get her ready for some road tripping this summer. And everything is so, so slammed. I went around to a bunch of different shops trying to find some place that would see us. Finally, one of our, our true and tried old shops, they, they got us in over a period of a couple of days to do the work. They were going to you know take care of us. They were really doing us a huge solid. Like We were going to try to get them a gift as a thank you because it was like above and beyond to try to fit us in. They called us up yesterday, and they told us that they had to fire a guy. And because they had to fire the guy, they can't fit us in anymore. And so we're back out on the streets 
Not going to get it fixed. Can you hire the guy they fired? I know, right? Good question. But why'd they fire him, I suppose, is the next question. <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> well, so, so, you got, yeah, you got to find out and then just work around that. But, oh, man. And I, I went above and beyond to get the motors that, they're, that are, they're, they would be installing. I pulled, like, every card in the book. Like, I even called the place that I ordered them from. Like, I really need those. Can you ship them out super fast? I even considered paying $210 in expedited shipping because shipping's so crazy right now. And I bought a used backup one on Amazon because that was the only thing that was available because supply chain. And But I bought a used one that thought, you know, this should make it. It should make it. It should be here. And it did. It just arrived. I mean, I just went above and beyond to get parts for this thing and then to have it to have it be canceled like that. <laughs> Just is a, it's a killer, dude. It's just like it never ends with this stuff. So that's my downer story. However, that's not going to stop us. We're taking, we're taking my son Dylan on a birthday road trip down to Oregon for the weekend. I may end up doing Linux Unplugged this weekend from a beach town. I mean, that sounds pretty great. So, Brentley, it's been also a big week for you because you finally got to try out a Raspberry Pi. That's pretty exciting. It's true. Give, give me, give me the whole thing. Somehow I've not ever had my hands on a Raspberry Pi, which, I don't know, is somewhat embarrassing and also very exciting. So it turns out Alex has a drawer full of them over here and uh, <laughs> three or four of them that he hasn't been using. But one of them he had set up, which is a great setup. He's got a monitor here and a keyboard just for tinkering on stuff. So it's like a sit down, plug in whatever you want to play with. And so the Raspberry Pi, he's got one set up there. He let me uh, wipe um, when we were doing our next challenge. And so this is a Raspberry Pi 4, I believe. Of course, he has nice little cases, and they're all different. He has fun with probably printing some of those or buying them. And it was great. Like, I remember the Raspberry Pi 1. People, you know, you were really excited about it and its possibilities, but it was really slow and not really great for much of a workload. But this thing was, I mean, we were running NixOS, and it was pretty light. But it seemed speedy and totally reasonable. So that just got me quite excited, and I might just slip one of these into my bag before I go, you know, and uh, bring it home with me. <laughs> the possibilities now, right? Like you start thinking, especially Brent, if you are in a low power situation. And when I finally convince you to adopt hashtag van life, you know, you're going to be thinking about that kind of stuff. Give me an idea of what uh, what the specs were, if you can remember and, and what you did with it and what stood out to you, because this is I it sounds silly, but I almost wish I was there for it. I know, I know. I was thinking about that. You've been saying for months that you wanted to be there. And we meant to do it when you were here, and we just never got around to it. Yeah, no, it's fine. And I'm glad you did, right? I think our community gets so focused on specs and, and uh, the tech stuff that we don't really sometimes appreciate sort of the um, cultural impact of some of these devices. And the Raspberry Pi has made a cultural impact. It's like a line of computing that is almost its own thing in a way. Uh, it's its own kind of branch. And uh, it's so. It's so well supported now, too, that when these things start to get to the Raspberry 5 and the, the Pi 6, there's just going to be such awesome systems. I mean, as soon as you start taking out the SD card and you start using something more serious like an SSD or EMMC, it changes the game on what those things can do. They're almost like storage constrained right now. So anyways, I'm just curious kind of like what details you could share with us and what you played around with, what, what stood out to you and that kind of stuff. What are you grabbing for it over there? Uh, it's over here. I'm trying to see if I can uh, get any more information on it. But as far as I understand, maybe Alex will chime in here. 
I think it's just a standard Pi 4. Maybe it's like a gig version. Okay. I honestly didn't know any better, and I was running it off the SD card, and it was running just fine. You know, we weren't doing anything storage-related in terms of intensity, but I think it just opens up a whole new world of possibility. And I'm, you know, late to the game, clearly. Everybody, many, many of you know this already, and I've wanted to feel this, and so here we are. And so I feel like the low power usage, you know, in your situation is essential, but also... I think the physical size is also really attractive. You know, it takes up hardly any space. You can hide it clearly under a desk very easily. It's super quiet. And uh, as you know, that that's a thing for me. Yeah. I don't know. I kind of want to build like a podcasting box out of this thing. I've had that thought too. It might be possible to replace the Reaper machine, just the Reaper function with a Pi 4. Oh, that's saying something. <laughs> they They make Reaper for the Pi. They have a build <laughs> that works on the Pi. Yeah. That is so cool. That's our recording tool that we use. Oh, it's in a Geekworm aluminum case, which is an awesome aluminum case. It's a Pi 4, 4 gigabyte, according to the Badger in the chat room there. Thank you, Badger Badger. <laughs> Roger that, Badger Badger. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's really cool, dude. I'm glad you finally got to do it. And, you know, we still, I did find that camera module. So nice. So maybe we can build a DSLR out of, out of one of them. <laughs> or a webcam or maybe a streamer. I don't know. You could stream your yard, your backyard. I did want to say thank you to all the listeners who were willing to, you know, send me a pie or let me play with one, especially New Wes. He asked me about five times in the last month when I was going to come pick it up. I think he was just ex as excited as me for that experience. So New Wes, I'm going to still come hang out with you and grab it and we can, I don't know, create some kind of project with it. Build a pie empire, an empire of pies. Empire. That's real nice. Yeah, you like that? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. All right. Well, there you go. So let's move on. We have uh, let's, we have a little podcasting news that I want to just touch on briefly before we get into JB news. I love what the podcasting 2.0 folks are doing. Adam Curry, Dave Jones, and everyone that's contributing to the podcasting 2.0 standard. It is bringing a set of features. It's standardizing things like chapters, transcripts, the ability to display images in line with content if you want, a whole range of stuff, including the value tag and a bunch of stuff. But one of the things they're working on now is a podcast medium tag. Now, this is an interesting idea because it essentially is a signal that the feed can give to a podcast player UI. And maybe it's a web UI, maybe it's an app, right? But it's a signal that the app can read to say, this isn't a podcast or it is a podcast. It is a music album or it's a podcast or it's an audiobook, for example. And so the interface of the podcast player could actually potentially adapt to suit maybe like a music album. Like maybe a music album is more appropriate for uh, somebody who's releasing tracks over a period of weeks. You could see like an artist who's working on a value for value system is creating songs weekly and then releasing them. And the podcast player could automatically, if it supported this tag, and the tag will be available, could automatically select the UI that best displays albums, you know, for music. And it could be a whole new way of using podcasting. That is so cool. Is it a podcast? I think so, but I don't know. What is a podcast, you know? Yeah. I feel like for things like mm, weekly released audiobooks and such, that would be a really neat feature, too, to have your interface change a little bit because, you know, you want some different features when you're, when you're listening to those. So sounds really cool. Yeah. You know, and some book authors 
who have self-published have also, you know, use the, maybe they're also podcasters, so they'll use their podcasting setup to record an audiobook, and maybe this is a way to release that if they're, if, especially if they're already a podcaster. Why not? Yeah, I love seeing this kind of stuff land. If you haven't checked out the podcast index, podcastindex.org, this is the new place to find podcasts, in my opinion. They have over four million shows indexed now. The entire idea is to sort of decentralize this critical function of discovery in podcasting. Right. Because right now that's kind of locked up by Apple and Spotify. And so the idea with Podcast Index is to create a neutral Switzerland of podcast indexes and then add new features that are created by an open source community and done out in the open and talked about out in the open and discussed on their podcasting 2.0 podcast and on their Mastodon instance and on GitHub. And so it's transparent, which is really great to see. And so, like, again, you know, we're thinking long term here. Where do we want this thing to go? I think podcastingindex.org is a great initiative. And the fact that it's also Adam Curry is on there and he, you know, he has been an absolute essential player in making podcasts a thing and creating the media tags necessary to make podcasting work with RSS feeds and so to, so to see him kind of be involved in podcasting 2.0, I think, is also a really good sign. And uh, I don't know, I'm really, as a creator, I'm just really jazzed about it. And I, I kind of talk about it right now because it doesn't seem like it gets much acknowledgement in our community. And I mean Linux community by that. And I don't, I'm curious to know if you think maybe I'm being critical here, Brent, but it seems like, in my opinion, there's so much going on in Linux and in free software that our community has kind of gotten a little bit of tunnel vision. and We've kind of forgotten to think critically about things like decentralization of services, and we've kind of stopped looking at free software as anything beyond the Linux space. And we kind of think of free software as Linux stuff, but you know things like podcasting standards and RSS specs and you know cryptocurrencies; those aren't free software. Those are those are bad technology, right? Like there's some serious tunnel vision in our community, and I feel like the podcasting stuff kind of parallels a lot of a lot of that is. You'd think probably people in the Linux and open source community would be a little more fired up about maybe decentralizing our content off of YouTube, Spotify, and Apple, but it doesn't really seem to ever come up outside of when we're talking about it. So I guess I kind of feel like we got to keep talking about it. Am I off on this? Am I, you know, what do you think? I think you're right about the open source thing. Like it feels like our ideals are more than just some of the software we use. And maybe we've had it too good in that RSS has been around forever and, you know, We've just taken it for granted, but yeah, for Apple and Spotify to kind of start to be eating eating everybody up uh, is a little bit scary. And I feel like anything we can do to get excited about the open stuff in a variety of different realms in our life is uh, essential and super, super interesting too. Like if you think about how much new technology is coming out just on the RSS technology, it's like kind of crazy i didn't think it was going to evolve anymore but all of a sudden we're getting this insight into all these new like just all these new, new little tags like this podcast medium tag is like this technology we've had for a long time is evolving and it's really fascinating to see so i hope everybody can get excited about it yeah and i think you could argue the core functionality is still great yeah you know it does a good job of delivering new shows with show notes and all of that the question is 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 there room for improvement I'd argue, yeah, I think transcripts would be great for podcasting. One of the things that's actually kept me on Fountain FM is the transcripting is really nice. And that is a handy feature for searching 
And I realized if we could transcribe all of the JB shows and make those searchable on our notes.jupiterbroadcasting.com search page, that would mean you could no longer, you, would, you, could, you wouldn't just be searching the tags and the links and the description, but you could go inside the shows. And so to build a standard around that, like if we want to do that, I'd like to do it in a way that's in a standard that all clients could support. And chapters, you know, you could see a reason for this. So uh, I'm very excited to see him do it. And, you know, we had a good boost that came into the show, which I'll, I'll read in full later. But they're like, I, I get where you're going with your concerns, but focus on the positive. And I think that's a, I think that's great advice. And so that's what I want to start doing is I kind of want to start looking at who's moving this forward in the right direction more. I want to talk about that more. I mean, when there's major concerns I have, I'm still going to bring it up. But that's kind of my thinking is we're going to try to look at this from a more like positive angle. Like if we focus on these things and we do these things, we're going to get this going in the right direction. And you know, I don't know. It, it It's not all together yet, Brent, but I I can't help but feel like podcasting 2.0 and the Lightning Network and Matrix and all of it being decentralized probably is important right now in a way that it never has. And when you look at you look at everyone's freaking out about Elon buying Twitter and it shows you just again, not to really beat on this, but it just shows you again, like centralization bites us in the butt over and over and over again. And I, I just feel like there's something here. We're working on it. It's still in its proto stage. But do you feel it? It's something coming together. And it's it's these decentralized technologies. I have a question on that topic. You know, the podcast index kind of feels like another centralized space. How is that contributing to the decentralization? Or is it just another, you know, single library? Boy, we could really get into this. But the back end is, is essentially a decentralized way. The way that... Uh, you update the system of new podcast releases the way that all of that is using the Hive blockchain, and that is actually decentralized. The part that is the centralization of the podcast index would be the LLC that Adam and, and Dave run b behind the scenes, but that is also replaceable. It's, it's built in a modular way where that component could be removed and the community would continue to exist because most of the active conversations and control are happening on GitHub and on Mastodon. And there's things that happen that like are just completely outside like the, the LLC. They don't they don't drive it. There's all kinds of development happening that they are not necessarily the ones behind. But there does have to be some sort of interface with the traditional, you know, banks and buying the domain name and paying for the server hosting. And so there is that centralized component. But I would argue that that LLC with a couple of people that are running something that is decentralized and being maintained by an open source community is a way different risk profile than your Spotify, Apple, YouTube. It's almost negligent in its risk, but it is worth you know thinking about. That's fascinating. I can't wait to see where they go even in the next you know few years, considering how much work they're putting in. The pace of development is astonishing. <laughs> it's really impressive. I absolutely love it. And the, the bottleneck will be the app developers. That's going to be the bottleneck, but it kind of makes sense in a way because you're going to have some apps that are maybe a little more aggressive in their feature focus and other apps that are less. And you'll have users kind of try those features out. And, you know, somebody said in the Matrix room, and I think it makes a lot of sense. Like you got to have somebody drive over the potholes to report them. Right. And uh, we're going to be driving over some potholes for a little bit. That's just the reality of it. It reminds me a little bit of where Matrix is right now, really. It's trying to accomplish something similar somewhat. It's the interfaces that feel like they're kind of not quite there, but we got to use them to improve them. And so it feels like kind of the same for the podcast 2.0 stuff. Yeah. And you can see the trend. You can see the reasons, the rationale. So, you know, yeah, it, it helps. Okay. So we have, a, this was another inspiration for the show. 
It's fun having a new show again. Like, I haven't had a new show in a while. This <laughs> you, is great. You really jazzed about yeah, it. Yeah, this is fun, man. <laughs> Last new show was self-hosted, I guess. Right? It's been a while. It's still a great show. It's been a minute. Oh, no, I mean, it's still great. It's still it's still my baby, but it walks on its own now, you know? <laughs> right now, this is, still, this is still in the cradle. But we had an opportunity to, like, well, we have to. It's not so much an opportunity, but it is. We've been wanting to do it for a long time. But we have to rebuild and replace jupiterbroadcasting.com. I mean, it's been in desperate need for a very long time, but Scale Engine, our host, God bless him, has decided to get out of WordPress hosting. So now's the time. And we want to do it right. We have a lot of ideas, but we want to open up this conversation to the community while we're at the ground floor. We've got a rough framework of how we want to do it, but we want to run it past everyone and get your input. Brent has set up a GitHub page for jupiterbroadcasting.com, or somebody did, but Brent's watching it now, and people can go there to open up issues and start conversation. Is there any hot tips we want to relay? It's like github.com slash jupiterbroadcasting. Yeah, there are a few projects there. There's one called jupiterbroadcasting.com. It seems like the reasonable place to go. So we have some issue tracking there. There are some issues with the current website, which are important to know, and I threw some in there. There's there's a lot of them. So that's helpful. But also, maybe I'll open up a discussion, a GitHub discussion, and we can just... That's a great idea. ...start having a conversation about what the future website could be. And uh, that's a great place to throw ideas. Yeah, feedback on this episode. Nate, tell like Office Office 3, uh, you know, website feedback thread or so, something like that. That makes sense. And we'll put a link in the show notes. But Brent and I had a chance to sit down with Alex and Wes... And welcome them into the office. And this was just after uh, Linux Unplugged on Sunday. And I wanted to play our conversation that we had while they were in the office. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? I'm joined by some friends to talk about our plans for the summer and our new website that we're developing. And we haven't really dialed it all in yet. So I think this is both the right moment and possibly the worst moment to open it up to the community and discuss what we see as the future of the Jupiter Broadcasting web domains. Because we got a lot of websites. we got a big mess. I think everyone agrees. Far too many. Yeah, and it's a legacy install that we've been running forever on Scale Engine. And they've let us know that uh, they're getting out of the WordPress hosting business. They don't want to host our horrible WordPress. We don't want to host our horrible WordPress. Something has to go. So as a group, Wes, Brent, Alex, and I have been talking about what we want to see. And simplicity, I think, keeps coming up over and over again. Speed keeps coming up over and over again. And the recognition that most of the audience, when they interact with any of the JB properties, they're interacting on their mobile device in their podcast app most of the time. And we've been brainstorming ways to create a static website, maybe even a website that doesn't even have a CMS behind it or a very light CMS behind it, something that we could programmatically generate as a new episode comes out. And I think we've looked at a lot of things. We've looked at Hugo. We've looked at uh, MK Docs. We've looked at a lot of different backends. We've looked at ways of integrating GitHub and GitHub Actions. Do you have a, in your mind, Wes, where is our, like, state of the website conversation from like your perspective well i think we've, we've been discussing kind of where the website fits like you say right like um on one level we've got the feeds and the feeds ultimately kind of control what 
users in the podcast apps see. But we've got sort of parallel infrastructure in that we've got a main page if you want to check out the video versions or you just, you know, you've heard about us, you check out our website. When you go to jupiterbroadcasting.com, right, that's the first thing you do. Plus, we've got sort of ancillary resources like the calendar and the increasingly important live page. So, Right. Contact pages are another one. That, you know, a lot of little subsites, donation sites, little tiny little subsites. And we've also seen a lot of stuff, you know, that has been thrown out so far, tools we've kind of taken a, a preliminary look at, sort of a lot of stuff evolves around you're wanting to make one RSS feed, you're trying to host one podcast, but we've got that part kind of taken care of right now. Things we'd like to see improved is a more cohesive representation across shows, sort of sharing some of those resources, making the same workflow work, but having enough flexibility to account for things like, you know, we've got premium versions for folks that subscribe and want to get the shows ad-free. They share a lot, but they're just subtly different enough. Not all platforms have the flexibility to account for that. Or old archive shows. Maybe we want to make it clear these are no longer in production, but if you'd like to listen to them, you can. Or things like the mumble info. We use the mumble room across multiple shows, but we only have the mumble info on the Linux Unplugged page or the Matrix server information. That's only at linuxunplugged.com slash matrix because we don't have a great way to just build that kind of page for jupiterbroadcasting.com. And those pages, like the live page, like the mumble page, like a donation page, like the contact page, they change maybe four times a year, right? That's just it. I mean, yeah, the cadence of changes isn't crazy high. And that's where something like, you know, either a very light CMS or no CMS at all starts to make sense because we just, besides the the hosts of the shows and the editors, there's... You know, there's not that many hands involved. There's some. There's some we need to account for, and the workflows involved do need to work for everyone involved. But I think we have a lot of flexibility in that regard. Yeah, and we're, one of the things we're thinking about is how can our show docs, the ones that have the description, all the links, how could that be a source of truth for an episode post? And one of the things that we've realized has worked pretty well is, Alex, you and was it the orange one? You set up notes.jupiterbroadcasting.com, which is MKDocs-based. Yeah, that's right. And uh, the way we have to do that at the minute, because the back end we use to publish the shows doesn't have a real API that we can query, we're actually using a library in Python called Beautiful Soup to walk through the HTML of the damn web pages, reverse engineer the tags and pull those out and then spit those out into a statically generated website using MKDocs. Right. So that may be one area we can start with just right away is um, we've got some tooling in the back end that we might be able to get, you know, turn that into a database that we control ourselves or just a, you know, a pure data representation that we store in version control and then can feed some other tools that generate our notes, that generate whatever, you know, JB main page site that we want. Maybe that just links to the note site. Then we've got to kind of decide exactly what we want all the experiences to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because the MK docs is um, plain isn't probably the right way to describe it, but it's not uh, it's not particularly visually complicated either. I mean, it's good and bad that way. I mean, it's very it's especially for docs, right? Like it, it is a very consistent, easy to digest website, which is awesome. Yeah. But it's not maybe all the branding. The main thing we wanted for that was easy search. And for example, in LUP that we recorded just a few minutes ago, we I wanted to look up the last time we mentioned Wallabag or Miniflux, I think it was. And I just searched that keyword and boom, it was right there. And for me as a host, a podcast host, it's very useful, but also for audience members, it's useful. I get people posting in our Discord, self-hosted Discord all the time saying, oh, I found this on the notes website. It's right here. And that's very helpful. You could see too how that might even become more powerful if some point we had transcripts that that could index. Now you're talking. Yeah, I could see that being nice. So the, my thought has always been like, how great would it be if from a 
host standpoint, when we're done recording the show, we get the doc in the right shape. And then the post for the website is generated from that doc. And I don't know exactly what that looks like. Perhaps it's some sort of custom parser that we develop. And maybe it's some sort of like GitHub action system that notices when such and such has been updated, you know, go generate a new Hugo website or something like that could be a direction we go. I think one thing we need to figure out is some of the stuff we get from our current CMS um, allows a little bit more of an ad hoc workflow for things like guests or sponsors, that kind of thing, where it is structured stuff that gets somewhat gets shared between at least episodes and if not, if not shows, which is maybe what we'd really want. Yeah, yeah. You know, so are you defining that each time or do we have a separate sort of structure where you can kind of define a guest off and, and then you have to go, you know, your edit then becomes two markdown files or are you adding these to a GitHub repo? Is it a, you just leave it in HDocs? What's the kind of flow between you writing the file and getting it all the way through? And also if you have a, a guest as we do it right now on the, you know, the main show feed, you then have to go and add them into the members feed as two entire separate transactions for us mm. as admins yeah. to do. Right, right. Yeah, we've also been talking, like this is probably not part of this, but there has been multiple times in just the last few months where it would be a lot nicer if we were generating all of the RSS feeds. It's a pain in the butt though, and it's a lot of responsibility. And if you get it wrong, you've essentially just taken your network offline. <laughs> so... But that's maybe part of this is trying to figure out the right approach where we can take pieces of it and, you know, do do as order requires here, right? Get the website up and going, but then know down the line that we, we've built things in a way that we can start doing the generation of the feats that make sense, at least. Yeah. So this is what we're trying to get clarity on is which direction to go. Like, what are the technology pieces that we could put together to build something that is essentially a static site that gets rebuilt on individual episode launches that is easy to maintain, that doesn't have uh, a lot of back-end complexity to it, that perhaps could be fully automated. Like, what are all the right technologies to use here? And so we wanted to open this part up to the audience and ask you, like, what are you using? Uh, or what have you seen that works in this space? Because, you know, we basically have until the end of summer to get this figured out. And so this is the very beginning of spring that we're starting to take this very seriously. And we wanted to open the dialogue up to you. So send us a boost and let us know uh, what technology stacks you would recommend. Or you can go to officehours.show slash hair. No, it's officehours.hair slash contact. It's the hair thing is complicated. It's new still. <laughs> it wasn't my first choice, but it's what was available. <laughs> See, this is why we're trying to clean things up around yeah. here. <laughs> Can't even remember all of our domain names. It's too much. Let alone the top level ones. It's time to, it's time to clean house. <laughs> All right, so we have just laid out a lot there, I realize. Brent has a link for where the conversation should probably happen. I could also see us maybe setting up a matrix room for the website. That's probably a pretty good idea. So we'll put a, I'll set that up and we'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. But I saw a couple people in the mumble room had some input. So I wanted to start with you, PyCrash, because it sounds like you are a Hugo, a Hugo user, right? Yes, I use it for my blog. And the good thing about Hugo, for example, for the... Uh, for the stuff for guests or for example for the sponsors you can just use a template and update the template for e each episode when you generate a new episode so hugo new episode it will just call the, the template for episodes and will just add your sponsor for example 
it will also be interesting. You cannot really update an RSS feed, but you it will be interesting if the community could update your show notes if with a pull request in GitHub. For example, if there's a correction or something like that, or a link that was missing. That's an interesting idea. That's a great idea. Yeah. Wouldn't that be something? Okay. Definitely taking that input into consideration. I was looking for something similar like you, and I was doing that for a client, and I wanted to give him like a look and feel of a CMS so he can edit pages, but still I wanted it lightweight, and I wanted it to be not complicated to install on the server. And for that, there is Graph. It's called getgraph.org, and it's something between of a web generator and a CMS because it has modules and you can install, in fact, a admin module, which allows you to use it like a normal CMS, but you don't need to. So that's really cool thing. And the best and the cooler thing is you run that thing with PHP and nothing else. <laughs> uh, you, you only need PHP installed on that server. You don't need a database and it just runs. So it's pretty interesting stuff. Maybe not be exactly what you want, but in case, just look at that. It, it could be very interesting. So gitgrav.org looks like it's the uh, the website. This is, oh, okay. And it, it gives you some of the niceties that, you know, honestly, it's kind of nice to have dashboards with stats and stuff like that. And it gives you a UI. All right. This is also really good. And I'll put a link to this to Grav in the show notes because that looks like it might be something to consider as well. Love you guys. It's great. And this is an ongoing conversation. We... I feel like we probably, by the end of May, need to have our technology stack totally sorted out, don't you think? I think that's reasonable, and we, we want to also test it a little bit, right, before moving, and we don't want to wait till the last minute. So, I have wanted to redo the website forever, so I'm pretty excited about it, actually. You're not just looking to move the current WordPress to a new WordPress host, are you? Crossed my mind. It did cross my mind to just, you know, set up a brand new spanking fast WordPress because I've I've done a few test stacks on Linode and they have like I think I can't remember, but I think it's called the Lightspeed HTTP server. They have this really nice optimized WordPress stack for the Lightspeed web server and the whole thing really rocks. And so it did cross my mind to go, well, I could just do a nice, clean, brand new, perfectly set up WordPress install and then migrate what what we can over. But the truth of the matter is, is WordPress has always just been way too much. You know, I think that's one of the things that Fireside showed us is the web websites can be a lot simpler, a lot cleaner, and just recognize the fact that 99, 98, 95, 95, probably somewhere in the 95, 90 range. Okay, I'm, I'm walking it back a little bit, but 92. No, yeah, yeah. 93 ish. A huge percentage of the audience is interacting with the shows either live. No through the podcast app. Yes, that's where they're doing it. They're, they're, they're doing it through the podcast app. Or maybe they're you know listening on the website, but it's a pretty small percentage. And so the website needs to serve a good function for like getting links and finding stuff and maybe discovering other shows. But we don't expect people to come experience the shows while watching them on our website like we did when we deployed WordPress 2,000 years ago, you know, because it was all video back then. And we had this crazy idea that maybe we could drive people from YouTube to the JB website and they would watch all the content on the JB site, but it never really happened. YouTube just became a monster. It feels like one other thing to keep in mind is we do want to take a lot of the archive over. So video support is 
sort of kind of part of it too, right? Yeah, you'd want to be able to accommodate it. We may want to do video shows in the future again. I mean, we're testing video right now as we record this. So you want to make, you want to be able to accommodate for it. But, you know, the whole website's designed around having a video. So we have like a video embedded for every podcast episode. It just doesn't really make sense. There's just things that were old assumptions. It's time to update. But moving on, speaking of YouTube, I went ahead and uh, got into it with the Linux Foundation this week. And I'll put a link to this in the show notes. I was extremely disappointed to see the Linux Foundation shill NFTs with their crappy centralized Hyperledger blockchain while spreading FUD about free software and Bitcoin. Shameful, because they're essentially employing the tactics that Microsoft and SCO and others engaged in years ago to try to scuttle Linux. And so I released a video on YouTube, speaking of YouTube, that calls them out. And I do a play-by-play of their video, and then I read their report that they published, and I do some responses to their report. And I try to correct some of the FUD about misinformation around the Bitcoin mining, misinformation around proof-of-work, and NFTs, which really, in my opinion, the Linux Foundation should be staying the hell away from. They should not be shilling any of this stuff. They should have never really got involved with the Hyperledger project, but that seems inevitable. But I also cover an article from 1999. In fact, I'd love to put a link to this in the show notes if I remember. It is such a stinker. It was a, it was a piece on Forbes in 1999 about the power draw of the internet and the PC and how it would destroy the world. And that by the time a billion machines came online, all of the PCs in the world would consume the entire electrical capacity of the United States. And in this article, which I, I read through in this video, they try to put a price point on megabytes transferred. So they say that there is one pound of coal created and burned to move two megabytes of data on the Internet. And th- this is a classic FUD attack. And it all maps back to FUD we're hearing today. And this is from 1999. So that's in there. My issues with the Linux Foundation are in there. And I'm just putting the word out there for those of you who care about this stuff. I'm not releasing this anywhere but on the YouTube channel because I acknowledge not everybody cares about this kind of stuff. But if you want to think where I think the Linux Foundation is going wrong and the FUD that they're spreading, I'll put a link to that in the show notes. Just super disappointed. It's like, just stay out of this, you know, stay out of this. Yeah, it feels like maybe they don't need to have an opinion on that. Yeah. It's, is that their, their mission? I don't know. Maybe they want to sell uh, Linux source code polls as NFTs one day. Maybe it's a, it's a master plan. You know, got to get that Hyperledger hype. Woo-woo, woo-woo. Got to get that Hyperledger hype. Ask not what your podcast can boost for you, but what you can boost for your podcast. West Coast Hamburger sent us a boost two days ago for 3,000 sats. I just wanted to say I'm looking forward to where this new show goes. Thank you. Office hours. I heard rumors of another road trip. Any love for us fellow West Coasters? Hmm. Yeah, I think that's our next plan. I think we were thinking about it as a team. Yeah. Or at least I was waxing on about it to everybody. We just did the East Coast meetup. In the summer, we did the Denver meetup. And so it does seem like it's time to do something on the West Coast. So we are reaching out to friends and we're trying to cook up maybe multiple meetups along the I-5 corridor along the West Coast. So we're not sure yet. And I'm still trying to get Lady Jupes in to get fixed up for all of this to actually make a road ready. <laughs> She's still hurting from Denver. But assuming we get all that figured out, I'm going to put that in there. Also, I want to mention you can now open a channel to our lightning node. We're going to be adding that to the show notes. 
So if you want to get in on that fun, you can. Music Fish wrote in with 777s at three days ago. Oh, that's fun. Is that supposed to mean something, you think? Seven, is that like a... It's hard to know. Maybe, maybe they include something in the text here. They write, I've seen some pushback about boosts and value for value online. I just don't think people get it yet. Maybe they have never lost one of their favorite shows. I know you guys work hard, so I'll be boosting to say thank you. Well, thank you. That is very kind. Yeah, you know, I was thinking about that, too. I have seen some pushback as well, and I totally get it. You know, a lot of us don't have very much to give. And so when you're asked, it's kind of annoying. There's that. And I totally, totally understand that perspective. Uh, And then there is a contingent of folks in the Linux community who just don't really like paying for stuff. And I don't think that's a very big majority. And I don't really get too concerned about it. But I acknowledge it is there. I have become just slightly more vocal. And I'm going to try to focus on the positives because. I think all of the concepts I'm laying down to support independent content production, I think they all map to free software. And so I think this is a way free software projects could start talking about value and maybe coming up with ways to sustain them. And maybe we're not going to make people you know, full-time developers, but maybe some. But it starts with a common language. And one of the things that has been coming through a lot is some people really do seem to get it, put some people off. So we're going to try to find the right middle ground, figure out how to integrate it all. And we're still figuring that out. But some people really seem to click with it. And, you know, you saw like listener Cole come up and help us with Lady Jupes on the wiring. New West came up and helped us out for a day here at the studio. And he continues to be a great participant in our community. And Lucas gave us a ride in his Tesla this week. Uh, and I always, I always like to mention, you know, Minimac, he's he's always in here in the mumble room. Dan Johnson, hardly a live stream goes by that Dan Johnson doesn't make it to, you know, like. That stuff matters and we notice it and it's value. And that's, there's a lot of ways. And I think once people start wrapping their head around like documentation could be a way to contribute value back or translations or bug reports, really good bug reports that are actionable are valuable, right? Not just something that's a task, but something that's actionable and solves a problem. Like that's value. We could start thinking about things like that for free software. And we're, we're kind of just laying that groundwork now. And it is turning some people off and I am trying to figure out how to message it in a way that doesn't but I'm still learning because I'm very passionate about it right now. So I just kind of jumped all in. I didn't grab the deets for this one, but we got a boost from the, this. As you can tell, I've been thinking about this for the whole episode, but user 964 said, I love the idea of value for value, but I'm concerned. And I'm also concerned about Spotify there, right? I got the fountain app and I bought some Bitcoin so I could participate. But I think you'll find the audience is much more receptive if you focus on the benefits of this new model instead of the end of podcasting. The government is out to get us doomsday stuff. And I think that's it, right? It's both a solution to what could be the centralization of podcasting, as I would put it. I don't know if it's the end of podcasting, but I'd say it's the centralization of podcasting and the fading of independent podcasting as a result of changes in the ad market. But we don't have to focus on that. We can instead focus on the positive aspects of it. And I think they absolutely nail it. So that was a great boost. Like I said last week, like if you want to send in some critical thoughts too, a boost is a great way to do that because... You know, a little bit of sugar <laughs> with that medicine, uh, it makes a difference psychologically. So there you go. Chris, you find when you get the boosts in, all of a sudden it like changes your ideas a little bit and you think about that for the next maybe 10 minutes, an hour, day. Or days. Yeah, because uh, they sent that in days ago, days ago, and I've been thinking about that and, you know, chewing it over in my head. And the tooling of all of it makes it such that uh, it's sort of there in front and center and we get notifications about it. So before we wrap up today, I wanted to do something kind of fun, Brantley. I think I know what might be coming. <laughs> we wanted to give away 
few Satoshis, a few sats, so people can participate in uh, the value for value model and try it out. So I have a recommendation out there, everybody. Go grab the Breeze Wallet or go to newpodcastapps.com and get yourself a new podcast app. And if you're listening live, when we wrap up the show here, we're going to give away 2,000 sats to three lucky winners. So you got a few minutes to go get a new podcast app at newpodcastapps.com. You need to get into your wallet and generate an invoice for 2,000 sats. Or if you don't want to switch podcast apps, you could use Breeze, which they are, they're kind of selling themselves as sort of the shopping mall to the Lightning Network. So there's all kinds of stuff on the Lightning Network, and podcasts are one of them. You can add one podcast, you could add office hours, and you could send messages in, send us your thoughts. So would you do that? And then uh, join us live one Tuesday. We'll do another giveaway on our next episode. All right, Brentley, thanks for joining us. Always a pleasure. See you next time. Goodbye, everybody. Show's over. You can go now. Get out of here.